You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Free Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I'm your host, Leroy Ma, and today we'll be talking about Liverpool's 2-0 win against uh, Newcastle United. It's been a while since I've recorded a podcast, so forgive me for any rusty moments here and there, but to help me with that, I have Sri Khan on here, a veteran podcaster for Free Index and a good friend of mine and regular guest on this podcast as well. Sri, welcome back. It's been a long time since we last spoken, but you know, again, great to have you on to talk about football and, and, and everything that comes with it. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good, Leroy. Yeah, been a while off pods, uh, been busy, but also adjusting to the time zone things. But yeah, good to talk about football early on a Sunday morning after getting up. <laughs> yeah, but luckily we're talking about a pretty good game, you know, pretty busy on my side as well with work. And of course, Chinese New Year just ended like a couple of days ago, so pretty busy on my end as well. But either way, you know, great to be back to talk about football and especially to come back and talk about a, a pretty confident, comfortable win, you can say. Let's talk about the game. So, as always, we start off with lineups on Liverpool's side. I don't think there was too much that was too uh, surprising. I think uh, for a while now, people have been, you know, wanting to see a bit of a shake-up in midfield. And we got that with Emery Chan as a sort of like the dedicated number six. With Henderson and, and Oxley Chamberlain playing a bit ab- above Emery Chan. In defence, we've seen a lot of shuffling here and there. But, you know, Robertson and Van Dijk on that left side seems to be the... The, the staple then on the right side, we've seen Matip and Lovren being rotated around a little bit, but for yesterday's game, we got Lovren, and at right back, we got uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, good to see him getting a, a good run of games here, definitely learning, so definitely good to, to, to see him try to build up some confidence there, and up top, I mean, our front three, no difference there for sure, you know, carriers continues in goal, but you know, I guess from Liverpool's point of view, any surprises there, or any, anything that you like to change up prior to the game? No, I think just there is just one not change in every game. Sometimes Milner plays, sometimes Henderson plays. It was also a tight rope. Let's not forget, Emre Chan was on nine yellow cards. So, it was also a debate whether you play him and he gets one and he's out of the United game. So, that was the only interesting call I was going to see. But uh, we knew before itself that Milner had a slight knock. So, it was quite apparent that Emre Chan was going to start, especially with Wijnaldum being out. So, we weren't left with much choices. Uh, Milner couldn't play the whole 90, so this is the midfield we were left with. So in those terms, it was 
pretty much straightforward what we lined up with. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And I think, you know, again, the, the biggest uh, headaches you can say for Jurgen Klopp and even for us fans to try and predict the lineup is on the right side of defense, you know, with, with Matip and Lauren being rotated around, with Alexander Arnold playing most games, but, you know, in the past, we've seen Joe Gomez doing pretty well there as well. No, I, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that there were some changes that we could expect in, in, in those certain areas. But for Newcastle side, any, any concerns with their squad? I mean, Dwight Gill, you know, the bane of our existence, he's, he's, uh, back playing against us. And any thoughts about any other players from Newcastle as well? Uh, not much. It was just that it, when they showed up the lineup, they looked like a 4-5-1, but I was not quite sure they would play that. Knowing Rafa, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put it past him to do something else, and that's what it turned out to be. Quite surprised uh, they didn't play Matt Ritchie or Ayuzi Perez. I know we have tightened up defense, but if their best best chances still would be of set pieces, so I was quite surprised Matt Ritchie didn't start. I knew he's been coming off the bench for the last few games, but still, especially with John Joe Shelby also being out, I was quite surprised Ritchie didn't start. Hmm. I, I guess one of their sources of uh, creativity there, but you know, I think maybe what Benitez was going for in the, in the Merino and and Diame or midfield combo was to try and outmuscle us a little bit, and as well as having Merino being really good on the ball, really good in in shielding the ball in midfield and trying to escape our high press. So, you know, you can give some credit to Benitez there, but I think yeah, Iose I Perez not being in the side a little bit surprising. You know, they could definitely use with his pace going up against Lovren or you know any of our fullbacks that push up a bit too far. Maybe he can you know utilize his pace to 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 take advantage of that. But yeah, apart from that, not much else to say. You know, maybe Christian Atsu could be a bit uh troubling, and you know maybe DeAndre Yetlin with his pace. We saw what he did to to Robertson early on, but you know, thank God he didn't sustain throughout the game. But you know now that we're done with lineups, I think we can get into the game a little bit. So. Before we talk about Liverpool's first goal, we can definitely talk about the first half an hour because uh, I, I think there are some uh, patterns and performances that we can probably touch on. You know, I guess for me, what I thought of is that, you know, whenever I watch the game back, it seems like Newcastle did pretty well to, to try and contain us. You know, sure, there were some times or some instances where we, we almost looked like we could score, but I think for the most part, they did pretty well to, to contain us and try to limit the, the quality of the chances we could get. So Dwight Gill, he was just lurking around our deepest midfielder, whether or not it was Henderson or Emery Chan. You know, we saw both of them rotating between the deepest midfield spot, but you know, for the most part, it was Emery Chan and we saw Dwight Gill sticking to him pretty well. And I don't think they really, really pressed our centre-backs. I think Rafa knows that with Lovren and, and with Van Dijk, two pretty good ball-playing centre-backs, as well as having carriers at the back as well, you're not really going to force a lot of errors out of them when they have the ball. And I think what he was more focused on was the deepest midfielder, which is what he did with Dwight Gill, and with our full-backs. So what he did was, whenever the, the ball was being passed to one of our full-backs, their wide players would step out to try and press them. We saw that with... Someone like Christian Atsu going to, to Robertson when he received the ball from someone like Van Dyke. You know, we saw those kind of plays or, or patterns coming up. And also, they you know, maintained a more midfield-centric shape when we were in their final third. So instead of the wide players going out to mark the fullbacks, they actually stayed in the middle and, and tried to compact the space in the middle. I think what Benitez knew was that, you know, our width really only comes from our fullbacks. So maybe having their wingbacks marking our fullbacks in the final third, that's all Rafa really needed from them. And I think, yeah, for the most part, it was a really clear uh, back five for them, you know, with, with Dahmer playing more like a left centre back rather than a left back. So I, I think, yeah, you know, pretty pretty standard uh, defensive shape from, from Benitez. You know, do you have any thoughts about this before we head into the first goal? Yeah, so just to summarise your points in a different manner, basically they started with a 5-4-1 and as you said, they were 
very compact and narrow because they knew Liverpool's strength were down the middle and this is not the first team who have done. What was interesting was obviously they lined up in their own half. They weren't going to press us at all. But the interesting thing was the advanced four, you could say, the four ahead of the defensive five. Mm-hmm. They were narrow, but also that they realized our width was from the full backs. They used touchline as the natural press because obviously one one side is cut off. So it was not that the man was going to go and close down. It was the whole defensive line moving towards the side of position. So if Robertson had the ball, the whole line of four would shift to the right. And if Arnold was having the ball, their whole line would shift to the left. So it was not like people were not vacating positions. And it was quite clear that since they had five at the back and there was an overload, they if you notice a lot of times Liverpool, what they tried to do was Salah would drop deep or Mane would drop deep. But mm. since they had five at the back and they had such a huge numerical overload, they could afford that one guy would just follow them. If Mane drops deep, some defender would be following him. If Salah drops deep, somebody would follow him. Because if you if one of them drops, still you have four at the back. So they still had the numerical superiority in in that manner, and the the four ahead of the five just did not break shape. They just kept moving sideways, sideways. That's why, if you observed the game, looked like Liverpool were passing sideways to sideways. It was I could say that it was forced onto them because there was nobody breaking their shape. Benitez was quite content, not creating chances, not giving chances, just allowing Liverpool possession, but no meaningful possession. So, Liverpool's only sources were two of them, I think, which we will start talking about now. We needed the fullbacks high, but obviously the touchline was a deterrent for us and they said... The other thing was what Liverpool started doing midway through the first half was long balls from the deep, yep. which had to beat the first midfield line of four. And that serves two purposes. One, it beats the midfield line. If Let's say we, we saw a couple of chances. Salah could have got on to one or a direct diagonal to the fullback. That is one. And two, since Liverpool had so much position, there was no concept of pressing for us. And such a high ball would mean that even if Liverpool lose the ball near Newcastle's box, it is more dangerous for Newcastle because of our counter-pressing. We could easily win the ball far more ahead, which means lesser distance to the goal. Mm -hmm. And I think the combination of long balls and carrying the ball is what started turning the deck. We saw Henderson and Chamberlain started to drive ahead with the ball far more than just... So, first 30 minutes, you could say Liverpool were patient and were hoping to break the shape and then I think they came to a conclusion this is not going to happen. So, they just started... And it was one of the first times I've seen Liverpool, usually we've seen when they have been tactically like been obstinate and opposition has not given a chance, it usually takes a half-time break for us to react. But yep. this was one of those odd games where I was seeing Liverpool were reacting during the game. And mm. it was Van Dijk who started his long balls. Then Chamberlain started to carry the ball. Henderson started to move forward with the ball. Because the midfield four of Newcastle weren't pressing us either. They were only content on stopping the balls to the front three. With just sheer numerical overload. So we had to do something different. And it was good to see for a change that Liverpool were reacting the first half. Rather than breaking for the half-time break and recouping. And we saw what Van Dyke brought to the table, right? You know, with some of his more more forward thinking passes, whether it's a short one to to one of the midfielders or whether it's a longer one, and he also uh, carried the ball up as well. So I think you know we can see that positive influence that that Van Dyke has towards the team. And you know, I I think to be fair, like I said, you know while Newcastle did well to containers, I think at the same time we still have you know enough quality up top to try and you know force some chances. And I think 
there were only four big opportunities in my mind, you know. You know, there was one that fell to Mane when, when LaSalle actually missed the missed the header from a right-sided cross. You know, he actually missed that header and, and it fell to Mane, but Mane didn't really expect it. That was one opportunity, you know, it wasn't really a chance created, but it was an opportunity nonetheless. You know, and there were three from Salah, you know, one was the volley, which honestly was really, really close to, to testing their keeper. There was one shot which he took off of uh, Robertson's cross from the left side, which hit Dummett's face. And then there was one where Firmino played the ball into Salah. Salah tried to, to uh, I guess, fake the whole defense, you know, tried to pull it back over to the right side, but the defenders managed to scuff it away. Those were four were really the only big opportunities for Liverpool. Not really chances per se, but uh, opportunities nonetheless, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, just one point, if I could add, Leroy. One was if we have seen that always the trouble for defenders against Salah has been they weren't able to get so tight on him. Because he could easily get past them in one-on-one favour Salah. But again, yesterday, five defenders at the back means like one of them could afford to get tight because even if they're getting beaten, there is someone always behind them. So it was a risk Newcastle could take. If you see, Dummett had a solid game, but it was also something, a risk because he, he went on one-on-one with Salah more times than one and it came off yesterday. But even if it didn't, there was always an extra man. It's just, it's just that... Newcastle allowed Liverpool to have the position and just snuffed us out in the last third because of five men at the back. Yep. Yeah, it, it did seem that way, right? Like, uh, you know, we, we did manage to go in, in, I guess, get into different dangerous positions and get different chances here and there. But ultimately, it was still down to, uh, you know, Newcastle's compact shape that made it a little bit more difficult and, I guess, you know, dropped the quality of the chances that we get. But you know, regardless, maybe 30 plus minutes into the game, first goal did come eventually. So what happened was Henderson sort of played a ball into Marino and the, and the ball got deflected off for, for Oxlade-Chamberlain to get the ball in midfield. He drives forward with the ball, but you know, at the same time, Firmino actually dropped back to perhaps try and press in midfield before the ball was deflected off. This actually put Dummett out as well. You know, Dummett actually decided to go and follow Firmino higher up the pitch. And again, you know, this again highlights the benefit of having a false line. You know, when what happens is that this makes defenders either commit to a decision or get caught hesitating. You know, they are, they're not too sure whether they should step out to follow the false line or whether they should stay back and let the false line do, do his thing in midfield. But what happens here is that Dummett actually commits, you know, actually commits to going up the pitch and following Firmino. So what happens here is that when Chamberlain drives up with the ball, he's running between the midfield and defensive lines because Merino was already behind him and Diame was actually caught on the turn. So Oxy Chamberlain was just running freely at the back line. And this actually created sort of like a 3v2 sort of situation for, for Liverpool. You know, Mane was running in the left half space. Salah was on Oxy Chamberlain's right and Chamberlain was running through the middle. So those three were running at two defenders. And what happened here is that, you know, Lascelles was actually running together with Salah on the right side. He was left in a hard place. And you know, I think, you know, does he continue running with Salah or should he actually switch over to Chamberlain? You know, that was the decision he had to make. And, you know, if he did follow Salah, that meant that Oxley Chamberlain would be free. You know, pro- probably he could take a shot or whatever. You know, but if he does switch to Chamberlain, it actually forces Chamberlain to try and make the pass to Salah. And either way, it was going to be a gamble for him. He decides to actually follow Chamberlain rather than to follow Salah. Chamberlain actually made the pass to Salah and when Salah gets the ball in the box, more often than not, we know that he's going to score the goal and he did, you know, he actually neatly tucked it between the goalkeeper's legs. A little bit lucky, you know, actually the goalkeeper got a small touch on it between his thighs or something, but nonetheless, a great goal by by, by Salah. You know, I think what this was like his 32nd, 33rd goal so far this season. Just, just simply magnificent, right? So any thoughts about this goal as well, Sri? Yeah, so 
as you said, Oxley Chamberlain wins the ball, and what it does is, since he's driving right through the middle, it forces their centre backs to come narrow to cover his shot. Yep. Because if you see, he actually lines up as though he's going to shoot, and yep. then he he feigns a shot and then passes, and that's what, as you aptly said, it. If you if you just I was just trying to see it in the replay of the goals and I just paused it and saw the minute uh, Chamberlain is driving to the ball you could actually te- see both center halves coming narrow and both Mane and Salah being free so he could have actually chosen either of them for the mm. pass and he cho- and I, as you said Lassell's for me made the right decision because rather than allowing him to shoot you are forcing a person to make a pass which means there's an option of things going wrong yep so but. But the other thing you could see is Salah, if he gets the ball, it's definitely a goal with his record. So it was, as you said, a tough choice. But I think that's something we, Chamberlain created because he was carrying the ball so freely down the middle. It forced them to take a reactive action and it opened up space for them. And 1-0. But as they say, when things go right, it goes right. We have seen so many of these times the ball hits the defender's keeper's legs, bounces off the ground and hits the crossbar and comes out. Yep. This is not... And yesterday, Salah, things are going for him. It went at 1-0. So just to re-emphasize on this, and I think the biggest points here is that, you know, number one, Firmino actually dropping off, pulling one of the centre-backs out. That actually helps force the 3v2, which, you know, which causes a lot of problems to the centre-backs, as you mentioned. And I think number two is that the, that decision that LaSalle actually made to, you know, actually go to Chamberlain rather than go to Salah, that was the most questionable one. But I think, you know, again, as you said, probably the right choice you know between uh, allowing a shot and allowing a pass i think allowing a pass would be less dangerous but again nonetheless when he goes to salah inside the box one-on-one more often than not you would think that salah would actually get the goal from there so again very very good uh very confident finishing by by salah and liverpool do go one year up finally you know salah actually had three chances before this as i mentioned earlier to get it on the fourth try you know better late than never right and i think after that, the game continued on like normal, nothing too much changed. But I think you know, Newcastle were a little bit more uh, attacking-minded. You could say they were having a little bit more of the ball before the halftime uh, whistle came. We actually did see Newcastle almost equalising. And I like to talk about carriers' save a little bit here. So what happened was, you know, Marino, I believe it was Marino, in fact, who who did a great layoff to, to Diame. Diame struck the ball really, really well with Emery Chan, you know, pressuring him. I think Emery Chan was actually putting in a slight tackle at the same time, but Diame got the shot off. The ball was curling, not not really towards the, the, the top corner, but pretty close there, you know, towards Carriers' right side. And what Carriers did was actually pretty, pretty good, if, if you ask me to be honest. You know, he was basically jumping to his top right-hand corner, but from a standstill position, you know, there was no run-up to it. He actually just stood still, saw the ball coming, and jumped and actually reacted in time and got a pretty good hand on it to to, to save it from goal. So I think without that save, you know, if we went into the half at 1-1, that would have been a little bit nervy for Liverpool. You know, who knows what Benitez could, could cock up in, in, in the dressing room at halftime to come out in the second half. So any thoughts about Carissa's save? And, and I guess, you know, Carissa's uh, performances so far in the last couple of weeks. I think he's been excellent, and this save. I think I think people are maybe overlooking the importance of the save is one, and the quality of the save. Let's let's. There's no debate. The quality of the save was outstanding because one was actually getting to the ball, but the second, since it's traveling at such a force, and as you said, it's it's a reactive save rather than he's not preparing for the save. They the power he got to tip it beyond the bar, mm. and that was the way we have often seen a lot of. 
even with Mignolet, this is not about criticizing Mignolet. Let's make it clear. But we have seen a lot of goals where he just gets fingertips and still goes into the goal. Mm-hmm. This is also about having enough power to tip it beyond the bar. And I think that's that just complicates the save. That is complicates how good the save was. One to actually get to the ball and still generate enough power to tip it beyond the bar. And outstanding save in terms of the context of the ga- game. And it's quite clear, giving him minutes has seen him improve. He's working well with uh, Van Dijk. He's, the minute he gets the ball, he's literally ready to release it the next second. So I think all signs are good. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, the context. I, I like that you mentioned that, you know, if that shot actually went in, going to the half at 1-1, I, I just don't know what will happen when, when the second half starts. But you know, thankfully, uh, Carriers made that safe. So Liverpool go into the half 1-0 up. I think that was a, a pretty convincing game so far by Liverpool. You know, there were a few times where you, you could question the creativity a little bit from, from, uh, from Liverpool. But I think overall, they did pretty well. But, you know, going to the second half, Almost immediately, I think within the first 10 minutes or so, we actually get the second goal. So let's talk about Mane's goal really quickly. It starts off with some great link-up plays, including Amir Chan, Sadio Mane and, and Roberto Firmino in somewhere around in midfield, deeper down the pitch. In the end, Firmino drives up with the ball into the, into the final third. He intends to cut out to the left side. And at the same time, what Mane did was he makes the run in the opposite direction, moving from left into the centre. During that, that short intersecting run, Firmino actually placed the true ball over to Mane. Mane was in the centre. Again, great finish by Mane. I mean, recently he's gotten a bit of criticism for not performing really well from open play. But in the end, when he does score goals, those goals are typically really, really well taken. Now, I, I think him actually falling in the process of taking the shot actually helped to get a little bit more dip and a little bit more curl into the shot. But ultimately, a really, really good goal by him. Any thoughts about this goal as well? Yeah, I think one of the big changes Liverpool made in the second, not, I wouldn't say big changes, but an adjustment, I would say. This is something I covered in the player rating, saying that the first half, I thought Firmino didn't drop enough, as we have seen him done. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what we need. We need to break the numerical overload. So what happens second half is you could see Firmino starting to drop deeper. Mane drops or Saleh drops, they could afford to follow him. Two of them drop, they can't afford to follow because they would leave just three at the back. And literally, just there is it. It's going to break the defensive line. So they had they had options. You could have them both of them being followed, which means compensate the defensive shape, mm-hmm. or allow Liverpool more dominance in deeper midfield areas. And that's what we got. If you see, if you see throughout the second half, what generally improved was the link-up play because we had more space in the midfield because yep. we created numerical overload in the deeper midfield by Firmino dropping, and the whole goal starts from there. Firmino drops deep, Chan gets the ball, and that's such a difficult pass to pull through because one, as you said, Firmino is going to his left with uh, Mane making a compensating run, mm-hmm. and to just make that pass inch perfect when you are moving against the direction in which you are passing the ball. Yep. And to get through the man, and again it it so the it's laid so perfect to Mane that it literally rolls across his body. And as you said, he literally falls when he's shooting, but that's what gives the curve on the ball. So such a one is the split second Firmino chooses to pass the ball because any second this side or that side the man is going to block the ball. And two, the and in that window he makes the pass with the correct weight on the ball. Yep. Two, and Mani knows how much he should make the run. So I I'm not sure whether Firmino spotted Mane or Mane spotted Firmino. So it's, <laughs> It almost looks like they were anticipating that this is what is going to happen. And 
and this is one of the goals where you could see everything clicked yep the movement was perfect the pass was at exact right second the weight on the ball was an exact and the finish was spectacular i think i think even if they want to reproduce i don't know how many times they can reproduce but this was inch perfect in every account yeah no i guess uh, as well you know to be fair the chance was also created hugely because the three newcastle defenders marking him and and fermino they were so confused on what to do right because of their movement so the one that was tracking uh, fermino to begin with with fermino running from the center to the left the one that was marking him was actually tracking his run but the one right in the center of the box was actually trying to track fermino as well which was a bit weird but the guy on the right side who was following mane closest to mane actually tried to go to the left so actually the two center backs nearest to go were sort of like in each other's way you could say and that meant that mane had a that 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 split second more to to work with and you know towards the end you can actually see that the the newcastle defender nearest to mane before he takes the shot he was just stretching trying to reach for it but you know because of that miscommunication or just that that lack of of positional awareness and i'm i'm not too sure what the the concern was there but that 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 mistake by them actually gave money that bit of breathing space and you know again great goal to to curl it to the far post i i think you could say that at 2-0 up it could go both ways you know you could be really comfortable because uh, i guess a 2-0 uh, lead is very very comfortable for sure but at the same time we are not too sure if liverpool are going to go into contain mode and we've seen liverpool actually struggle to contain leads you know especially when when you club actually says okay let's take the the the, the foot off the pedal a little bit let's just try to conserve a little bit of energy let's try to to defend in our final third a little bit more i'll bring on a defender for you and, and things like that we've seen that crumbling a little bit so i think that was a little bit concerning but after going to new up do you think there was any any concerns moving forward or do you think there were any substitutes that you would like to have seen uh, going So one thing I'm not sure Lira if you did see the City game versus Newcastle one thing Benitez have seen doing is irrespective of the score he doesn't seem to change what the team is doing in terms of an attacking shape or a tactical switch mm-hmm. he's he was quite content on damage limitation and yesterday same happened you, you, like with, if you didn't know the score and you were just seeing Newcastle play throughout the 90 minutes you would have thought the score was safe yep it they played the same in 0-0 they played the same at 1-0 they played the same at 2-0 even if their subs if you see was just like to like swap there was literally no tactical change he didn't go two up top he took off gale and gale didn't do anything and he brought on who was it jose uh, lu right you, yeah, yeah. He, jose he bought on jose and he bought on hayden which was again a straight swap so all he made was straight swap so they pulled in this game at least had nothing to worry because newcastle weren't going to do anything different yep so in terms of mate by lalana i get it he needs minutes and potentially he could start with his porto uh, i got that uh, i would have maybe thought that he could have taken off sala and maybe brought in ings mm-hmm. maybe because i would say ings could maybe start porto i don't see a reason why not uh, so i would have liked but club did clarify post press conference that sala find, manages to find breaks during the game i, I have no <laughs> idea he always seems to be running so but if, if that was the case then I, uh, there's nothing on the sub star guy matip was the only sub which made no sense but okay we had maybe it was just about passing time i don't know why we do this thing of bringing on center backs uh, at the end again and again i don't see what it does but otherwise on a general note i maybe the only thing i would have seen is if especially if ings or solanke are going to start versus uh, porto maybe one of them could have started or maybe it's because they are not going to start we never know yep 
I, I think, you know, that, that those are definitely very good points. And, you know, just want to touch a little bit on what Rafa could have done. I think that was a really good point. At one year up, when, when you put a one year up, a lot of teams would change their, their attacking shape so much. You know, we saw that with Huddersfield and I believe with Brighton as well. They were containing us, you know, parking the bus or playing really deep defensively, you know, however way you want to see it. Once we scored that first goal, they started to attack really, really aggressively. But when we did that against Newcastle yesterday, after going up one year, Benitez didn't do anything and he had actually, you know, three attacking options to bring on. You could say, you know, Jose Yu, he had Ayose Perez on the bench, he had Matt Ritchie that he could have brought on to try and, and find those passes or be a bit more creative or, or try to add some creativity into the side. But we didn't see any of those changes. You know, even after 2 new up, he didn't make any immediate changes. And as you said again, when he did make the change, it was more, it wasn't really just to, you know, to, to stack uh, up top or to try and change things tactically. You know, he made the change, uh, you know, Dwight Gill coming off for Jose Liu, basically the same type of player, or at least in the same position, you could say. You know, he took off Isaac, uh, I, I guess he took off Mikel Marino and actually brought on Isaac Hayden more like a, a straight swap. He took up Jacob Murphy, who was playing on the left side, brought in Ayose Perez, who is typically, a, a, you can say, a wide player sometimes. So, again, straight swaps for Benitez. You know, really interesting to see that he didn't he, he didn't think that a, a big tactical or formational change was needed for his side. And I the, guess... The, yep. the only thing I could think of, especially this is something I've seen, versus City now against Liverpool, is maybe Benitez thinks this could ultimately go down to goal difference. Because nah, the table is... So packed from nine to right down to the bottom is just a question of few points. Yep. When it's always this tight, you never know when goal difference could play a part. And teams are getting battered when they play City and Liverpool. So I think he's just trying. This is the only thing I could think of. This makes no sense. Why would you play the same way through 90 minutes when you're losing? So that's the only thing I can think of, though. Against big teams, he's just looking to at least limit damage. Yep, and I guess, you know, when you look at the table now, as, as it stands, right, so from 12 to, you could say, maybe 17 or 18 players, the difference is about, you know, plus, minus, 2 or 3 points from a Newcastle's point of view. They have a negative 13 goal difference, and, you know, above them are Huddersfield with negative 25, West Ham have negative 18, Swansea have negative 17. So, yeah, I think that makes, you know, pretty good, po- I think that's a pretty good point, you know, try to limit the goals that you concede against these big teams. You know, more, more or less, you would think that you would lose anyway, or, you know, at best, you get a draw. So, if you do go down in terms of goals, you try to limit the number of goals that you get, con- that, that you concede. So, because, that makes sense. Because they have played... Exactly the same as the City when they won against United, when they have lost against Liverpool, they play exactly the same way. Yep. Not change anything. So it's quite clear the approach is same for the big teams. Just limit the number of goals you can see, and let's see what we can scrap in the other games. Yeah, and, and see what you can scrap on the other side of the pitch as well, right? You know, maybe it's a set piece, maybe it's a, a lucky free kick, maybe you get a, a lucky counter from maybe yeah, Dwight Gill or which something is... like that. Which is why it was very surprising. This is the sort of game you just put Matt Ritchie on. Yep. Just one single chance you get could be so crucial in getting a point. And getting a point versus Liverpool is so huge for the campaign. Yep. And, and Because I guess, not many would do it. Yeah, and I guess the only opportunity was, like I said, the Diame shot. So, you know, again, uh, really, really uh, interesting tactics from here. And I think I have one more point to make that actually leads into this, you know, coincidentally. And it's that even from the start of the second half, I, I at least from the eye test, it seems like Benitez and Newcastle they were really intent to 
you know, spread the width of the box between their five defenders, right? So instead of having the wing backs occupy the, the, the uh, you can say the wing areas, they actually just have them at the edge of the box. So we, basically you take the width of the box, you spread the five defenders they have equally between, and that was basically the setup, you know, probably only sending their fullback out wide to defend when our fullback get the ball in, in, in those uh, wide areas. But other than that, they just, you know, just congest the middle of the box with the, the, the four in front of them also congesting the middle of the midfield. I think they were more focused on congesting space, you know, forcing us to have great passing ideas, passing vision, and of course, executing those passes really well. And I think they're really confident in someone like, let's say, DeAndre Yetlin, at, on, on, I guess, at their right back spot to, to have some pace to step out at the last minute and keep up with Robertson when Robertson gets the ball, for example. And I think that was maybe Benitez's mindset. And I think this leads back into him not really wanting to concede any more goals than they already have conceded. So whether it's 1-0, 2-0 or 3-0, he wants to keep it, keep the score as it, as is and you know, again try to scrap any goals he can from the other end. But yeah, you know, very, very defensive-minded from Benitez. But this is very, very, in, in, I guess in a different context compared to when United or Chelsea players, for example, and when they play defensively as well. Because again, as you mentioned, when, they are, when you're in relegation, every point matters and especially every goal that you concede or score matters as well. So you could say fair play to Benitez for, for trying to be a bit more defensive and not changing things too much. But yeah, you can say that there are options for him to play a bit more attacking-wise, but I guess that's not Benitez's uh, game plan, you can say. But apart from that, any final words or any final thoughts about the game overall? I would say, would you think this was a good exercise for next week? Potentially. <laughs> wow, that that's pretty tough because we are playing United next week, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I I guess you know going back to the substitutes a little bit, I thought maybe this this I guess just a bit more of the 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 risk averse part of me speaking, but I thought he could have maybe taken Emery Chan off, especially when we were two 0 up. Just just let's not push our luck here in terms of Emery Chan because he will definitely come really really key and and be really really important for us against United. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think if we can't perform this way against United next week, I think we have a good chance to get all three points. Any the, thoughts on your side? The only, thing, the only thing is they are playing at home. I would hope they would have to attack sometime. If not, most of the time they would. But knowing Mourinho, he would be prepared not to attack. He's going to wait. He's going to frustrate and try to counterattack us or set us up on a set piece. Mm-hmm. So that's what is usually going to happen. It's just the question of how long... So it's it's just going to be a battle of patience, and I, we know Mourinho's teams can play the absolute same way for hours together if they want. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be a battle of which next week. It'll be interesting to see if Mourinho actually attacks, and knowing him, he he wouldn't because he clearly opens up the game for us. Yep. He's not going to. He the point is if he attacks, we win. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, if no. they if they will mm-hmm. score, we will score more. So there is no debate on that. This time we were playing, you know, I guess both my, most probably will have very similar defensive styles between, you know, this Newcastle game and, and United next week. Pretty similar styles of, of defending, but this week we play against Marino and Diame. Next week we'll be playing against Matic, Herrera, Pogba, you know, or, or a combination of those three. And then, you know, for, against Newcastle, the, the main counter-attacking, uh, threats uh, against us were you know Dwight Gale and, and Christian Atsu. Next week, we may have Lingard or, or Martial, Alexis Sanchez. Very, very different uh, caliber of players, you know, that we have to go from this week to next week. So, let's see how things go, the, right? The, 
the only thing is I hope Lovren plays next week. Yeah, I said that. But <laughs> Lukaku is playing, and yep. you know what happens. Yep. We need Lovren when Lukaku plays. Yep, so Van Dijk is just free to do whatever he wants. Lovren just yeah. keeps uh, Lukaku in his pocket, like like he did for the last, like, what, three or four fixtures now, I think. Correct. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually line up the same way, maybe Milner for someone, but I would want Oxlade to play. Yeah, I think next week probably we'll see... Why now don't come back? Because depending on how uh, Klopp thinks of, of of Mourinho's game plan, but if they do intend to press high, then I think maybe Why can find his way back into the team. But otherwise, I'm I'm pretty content with this midfield going into next week as well. Do you think Do you think the same as well, or or do you think yeah. maybe a midfield change is needed? I would, no, no, no. I would, the only uh, for me Why could come in, but Milner, considering his form, has also been good. So Milner is an option, but. My preferred choice would be to start with what we have mm. today, what we had yesterday during the game. That was, I would say, we. I would not be surprised if the same level starts. Okay, I think that's fair. But before we head off the podcast, United next week. You know, we have Porto coming out in, mid- in midweek to begin with. You know, let's not forget that. Is that going to be a double win for us? One of them will be a win. Let's say that way. <laughs> really, really on the fence there, Sri. I'll take that. You know, I'll let you cheat this week. But we've come to the end of the podcast. It's been great talking about football again once again with you. You know, always always a great time to talk about football with you, Sri. But, you know, any any final thoughts or any plugs they'd like to give out? Uh, no, yesterday I just wrote the match ratings piece. And, it was, and once I wrote that, what I realized was I couldn't quite clearly pick a man of the match. It was such a good team performance. Mm. Like, I was seeing the ratings. There was no clear nines. Now, there were no clear fours or fives. Everyone was around seven, eights. Mm. So, that's another aspect. And Klopp also mentioned this with regard to Coutinho, that we have become far more team-oriented and a far more unpredictable team without Coutinho. While when Coutinho was there, we just passed it to him and let him do what he does. Mm. So, quite interesting to see that the performance is getting spread out throughout the team. But yeah, uh, a really long wavered plug for my match rating speed. <laughs> That's fine. You know, people would like elaborated uh, plugs for sure. They know what they're going to get into. But yeah, you know, really, really uh, great to have you on once again. Great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. And to you listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Entry Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I'm your host, Lirima, and we'll see you next time. Network.